Hi everyone, welcome to Third Coast Gaming News. Today is August 9th, 2021. It's Monday. I'm joined by my um, fabulously fun co-host. I was trying to get some alliteration, but that's the only thing I can think of in like a second. Hello, Austin Taylor. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. Glad to know I'm at least fabulous. Yes, fabulous, but not fabuloso. That's what that's what they call the cleaning product, right? I have no idea. Okay, it's fine. I Don't worry about it. You. It's a reference. It may or may not. It's some joke in high school I used to have with my friends. Anyway, we got there's some news this week. I want to I want to start off with the battlefield, Austin, because mm-hmm. uh, what what was it? It's like EA Play two weeks ago or something. I think they showed off their um, their battlefield portal. Uh, yeah, the whole, like, multi-battlefield, like, game-era maps thing. Yeah, where it's, like, they, they talk about Battlefield 2042 as being, like, more of a live service, which kind of they were talking about more after EA Play. But, yeah, there's, like, the three pillars, which is the core mode stuff, which is Conquest and, like, Breakthrough. And then they have, like, a free, maybe free mode that's coming later. That's like their something squad based thing. I can't remember the exact name of it. And then there's this um, portal mode, which brings back modes from like Bad Company Two, Battlefield Three, and Battlefield 1942. And it's like fan favorite maps, and you can kind of mess with weird shit, like in their trailer. They showed off like, what if a bunch of 2042 people what if a squad of 2042 people were fighting, like, a battalion of 1942 dudes? Who knows? And I'm like, well, that it wouldn't matter because the guns are always the same. But, like, if that was a squad versus a bunch of bots, that could be that be cool. So, like, the like being able to do Portal with bots is really interesting, which I hope they do that because, like, Conquest and Breakthrough are going to have bots in it as well. And that was a fun trailer. They had like, they had a bunch of medics with defibrillators fighting like World War II guys with knives, which is dumb. They had a bunch of, you know, they they had their like references to like other battlefield stuff like they did in the trailer with the jet thing. Your classic battlefield moments, you know, the thing that I remember everyone doing in uh, Bad Company 2, just running around the like semi-destructible maps just with defibrillators in hand. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad they're like doing references to like people's like highlight reels, which are like cool, like the jet rocket and getting back in the um, just sick helicopter moves. The uh, I don't know if you caught it. There's like a there's like a dart you stick to the uh, helicopters and planes when you shoot it. It's like a tracer dart that they had in there. The defibrillator thing. See, this seems cool. Oh, here's the mode. It's called. uh, I just had it. It's called Hazard Zone. It sounds like it could be like a little battle royale, a little like Dark Zone from the Division, maybe a little more squad based, but uh, who knows what's going on with that. But it seems cool, and they've talked about how they want to have it be more of a live service. How they're kind of like maybe gonna update it a little more, maybe like stick with it. They talked about they could either keep the two year cycle or like move it back a little and make it a little less annualized. Like this one. It's been a while since 5 because they took an extra year to mess with it. And then like Battlefront 2 was one of those years. And I don't think there's a Battlefront 4 being messed with right now at DICE. 
so we could see them like focus on this a bit and then have like a second dev team working on it while maybe they're doing another battlefield who knows depends on sales i think i, I i'm trying to think of ea ditches like their live service games if they don't do well i know like there's some studios that do that but like they put enough money into Battlefront 2 where they're like, we kind of have to keep supporting this or people were going to think it were shitty because we ditched it after the um, the loot box fiasco. And I know, like, you know, they fucking put Visceral into the other studio and shut it down or whatever. Like, yeah, they they, they do ditch studios, but I'm curious. I'm pretty sure this will sell well, but I'm curious to see what, what all happened to the live service stuff of this. I don't know if we've necessarily seen like an EA live service game um, in the way that like they're talking about with this game, other than like Apex. You know, I don't think like Battlefront Two is this constant. Like every update for the first like year and a half of that game's lifespan is like almost always just a an apology letter. You know, like please, yes, we we know what we did. Please just play our game and pick yeah. up these loot. The spend um, some money in the cash shop and play it. Please have fun. Yeah, like seeing this with like a battle, like we never seen this like kind of emphasis with the battlefield. Um, these battlefields have traditionally like engaged in that same sort of multiplayer space as a you know as like Call of Duty games, right? As these like yearly or like every other year like release. Um, yeah, and I will say and like this, sorry, go for it. And they want this to be like a platform, right? They want this to be like their big multiplayer p platform, which is part of why they, you know, ditch doing the sort of the campaign aspect of these games. Um, and I mean, we're, we'll just, we'll just have to see like how this gets updated, like how they support things like uh, battlefield portal. Yeah. And as these other battlefields have come out, they have like inched closer and closer to it being a platform. Like for a while they were, they stuck with the like call of duty model and even before Call of Duty was doing it, is they would put out their map packs for like even like 1942 and like Battlefield 2 on PC. Your map pack DLC was a disc you bought at a store and installed for like the new maps and stuff. And then like Battlefield 3 and 4 both put out like the new season, your new maps would come out, but you have to pay for them. Whereas I'm sure in this, and they kind of they started it with Battlefield 5 where they made all the map DLC free for that game as either a move to win back players or what they saw the space kind of shifting towards for like your DLC maps on a multiplayer game where your player base is stronger because that stuff is free. Yeah. It's not separated. Yeah. Yeah. To where it's stronger because of that. And I think battlefield five was, I wouldn't call it a live service, but it was close enough to it. It had like the fixings of it. To where it's like, yeah, we had a battle pass in here. Oh, and we eventually got Firestorm or Battle Royale mode. We had stuff coming out. And we had our new Pacific maps roll out. But I think they're getting closer with having, like, the portal offerings. And, like, like you said, like, getting rid of the campaign to focus on this. And maybe having, like, like you think about, like, a year. They're, like, talking about roadmaps a lot more. And having a couple yeah. more events littered throughout, kind of like you know, you think about like Fortnite's live service. They are kind of trying to do stuff every month, be it some small stuff and a big thing. Whereas in older things, you'll have like your it's so dry for a while, and then you get your big content hit, and then it's keep 
and then you do it for a while and then it dries out again you're waiting for like the ebbs and flows of like this where when you focus on it for like a year you have your rollout and if it does really well you keep rolling it out because you're it's a flexible like system that if it does well you'll see content if it doesn't do as well it, you won't and if it's in the middle you'll have it slowly trickle through Oh, and I forgot they're doing some mobile Battlefield thing, which is, you know, Fortnite yeah. has the mobile, Apex is doing it, Call of Duty had their, like, Tencent made. Those two big numbers, yeah. Uh, mobile, people love the mobile. I could, I could, I'd be interested in a mobile thing, but I don't, I, I probably played the Call of Duty, like, mobile game for, like, a week. But. Yeah, just get, like, a, get, like, a souped-up phone, you know, get, like, a, a little, like, controller, like, a backbone, you know, phone controller, and... Boom, there you go. It's just gaming all over. I really want it. I will say I did play a lot of the Titanfall mobile game. I don't know if you ever touched that. Shut up. But there it was yeah. a it, it was yeah. really good. It was like And I put like money a, in there. It was like a tactics, right? Was it like a tactics thing? It wasn't like yeah. a shooter. No, it yeah, wasn't a shooter. Like, I would it's close to like a clash royale where you have your right. you have a deck that you make and you have units and they all have certain costs like your lower cost units are your fodder and you you drag them onto the battlefield and they go across it's like a tower defense almost where they have lanes they're going into like it splits into two lanes and you're trying to destroy your enemy's core on the other side so you would yeah. drop infantry you would drop like anti-tank infantry and then you would have like your titans you would drop and like oh my god scorch scorch is the fire one i'm, I'm saying that correctly right or am i thinking Probably, of... yeah that's yeah, that's fire yeah. oh the titan yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so fire. he would he would have his canisters and he would shoot them in front of him the whole time and they would aoe like take out other units and it had like a ranked mode where i'm like rubbing it against as a free-to-play player against people who put money in and have like higher star rank tones and scorches and like infantry units so it's just putting money in there ronins are dirty because they they're like titan killers and shit it was a good time they shut it down unfortunately but um yeah. it was fun to get a little extra titan fall in like a, a little mobile game that was just kind of there the matches were quick too they were probably like five minute matches or something nice little push and pull and those things that happen where like oh if i'm leading i feel really good because i'm just dunking on this person good times i think that came out like that must have been like four years ago I don't yeah know it came it out called. it came out alongside titanfall 2 yeah titanfall assault is what it was called gosh yeah, let's see yeah 2017 Let's see what else. Um, oh yeah, thinking the uh, about deck builders. Thinking about deck builders is you can build a deck of cards and fucking back for blood. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, that's the interface thing with yeah because you have um you know these back for blood, the turtle rock, you know a new Left 4 Dead made by the people who brought you Left 4 Dead over at Turtle Rock Studios. Um, you know Turtle Rock is now experimenting with more like 
like actual like class uh, and like passive ability systems than you had in like a Left 4 Dead, where it was like you have four players, and if you're in like a PvP, you might also play as zombies, but you already have like predetermined abilities. Now they're like customize that, and you sort of the way they decided to visualize that is deck of cards. Yeah, yeah, and you level up and you draw a new card, and maybe you'll get yeah. a good ability, maybe you'll get something you didn't actually need. But yeah, this is coming out of the beta. It's like a closed beta that people can sign up for. Yeah, it's this been is going like a on. preview. Um, yeah, you have the closed beta last weekend. You're going to have an open beta this weekend. Um, and the other thing to note here is this is a day one Game Pass game. Oh, right? very excited. So you have a good amount of uh, like people. You have a good amount of opportunities to play this game. Uh, I'll probably check out this beta next weekend this coming weekend um but yeah it seems it seems interesting i don't know if i'm super into like the deck builder interface right to determine like a character's abilities i don't know if i want something like i love left for dead because it is just this very simple thing if you start in you have like you're just a person you're just a character and you don't really have to mess with this stuff you pick up guns and that's what you mess with i don't necessarily know if i want to be like oh my character can like heal a bit quicker that kind of thing yeah i have like a um a suspicion that those deck building stuff will come in much more if you're playing on like the harder difficulties where you're kind of setting up yourself more as a role instead of like trying to become a very survivable and very cautious player like as well as doing that whereas like i'm sure in normal modes when you're starting out and stuff you you just set it and you forget about it and you like Oh, I leveled up here. I'll grab this card, whatever. And I'm curious if they'll have like separate stuff where maybe you'll have a hopper where you don't have cards at all and you're just going and just doing the Left 4 Dead thing, like you're saying, loading up, going in, grabbing your starter weapon, picking your character from the beginning and going. Like, and, and as well, they have like the different characters. There's like more characters to pick from. There's like they're starting yeah, out with six or seven. And they all have like a unique starter ability and weapon. Like one of the characters starts with like a spiked bat. One of them has like a better pistol, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. It's like if Left 4 Dead was a hero shooter is kind of what I'm seeing here. It seems. Which I'm very into. I, I like. I yeah. I'm sitting here rubbing my hands together. I'm like, yes, hero shooters, abilities, customization, min maxing. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens because that beta comes out like. A beta happens uh, this weekend, so we'll see. We'll see what's up. Um, I'm interested to see like more now. Yeah, actually, like because it's been this preview. This preview we're looking at is like literally impressions from a single patch. Yeah, because it's been uh, what is it? Twelve years since Left 4 Dead 2, and there there has been a lot of like horde games that have come out and done some stuff. I feel like they're kind of picking from like you know, um, what's the Age of Sigmar? vermintide they have their classes and they have like multiple characters and being able to customize that stuff and that has gone over well and it's interesting to see that kind of coming into this whereas like yeah this deck of card stuff it's gonna be in the like pvp mode and then like your regular mode as well which and they're kind of separate i think they're saying is that they're separate or they they work differently yeah, so multiplayer, you don't like you don't pick cards that like you earn, right? Like when you pick a class, you have like 
air quote loadouts, right? So you have preset cards for classes and loadouts to sort of play in that way. It's like uh, probably like the, the way that to really describe it is like you know when like Mortal Kombat X came around and they're like every character that you select has like three different styles of play that you can pick from. It's kind of like that. My oh, understanding. okay. That makes more sense. And then the guns have attachments too, which I didn't realize until they're kind of getting into the game a little more. Like you have, like you have your training shooting area where it has like a wall of attachments that you can throw on yeah. guns, and you find those in these little like loot boxes out in the um, in the world and stuff. So that that's that's gonna be pretty cool. I um, or either you're setting it up. I'm watching the PvP where they're putting their equipments on their guns but i'm i'm hoping i mean it probably is because it's going to be game past date and date but i'm hoping that the controls are a little more like controller friendly because i know like first left for dead was mostly like a pc game that did come in like the orange box later like i don't think it released at the same time on both i can't recall yeah it did it was not it was okay. not orange box left for dead had its own release yeah but um like i remember it not you know it it's felt like a pc game in the way where like you didn't really aim down sights with a lot of guns in left for dead one which some games didn't have aim down sights and that was kind of something that call of duty got and like a lot of other games kind of followed suit with that because yeah well it's, it's a real sort of like counter-strike uh, feel of the game and it worked well enough on consoles because you were just you're always very accurate in left for dead like you don't have to deal with um you know the the way that they create difficulty when firing guns in most combat uh, shooters is like you know you'd have things like recoil and that kind of thing you don't really have that in left for dead either of them on consoles so like the problems yeah. i see when i play it now is like the pc version of left for dead does not do controllers that well specifically as far as like movement more than anything yeah, and I'm curious if I'll end up playing this more like the um, not aiming down sights a lot, kind of like how I played Doom, where you can kind of just hit fire and still be accurate, which is a very Left 4 Dead thing, is that you're still accurate when you're not aiming down sights because it's the Counter-Strike kind of, like, sh- aiming and shooting. So we'll have to... I'm curious how the... Um, if you're... Whatchamacallit, like... Not bullet bloom, but you're... You know what I'm talking. I can't think of the word, Austin. Can, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't know what word you're trying to think of. Recoil. Uh, is that you're like, if you'll still be as accurate when you're just uh, hip firing, as you will be when you're aiming down sights. Uh, sure. I don't. I, don't, I mean, it's just aiming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know when you're like. In some games, when you hip fire, you're like not as accurate, and the bullets have a little more spread. Like if yeah, I'm wondering if you'll have a little there more spread when you're just hip firing. So we'll have, I mean, for what I'm, I'm curious. seeing right now, like yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's gonna be one of those. Anyway, that's cool. I'm excited. The beta is gonna come out. I'll definitely put, mess around with it, and I'll probably have Game Pass at that point because it's just 15 a month, and I, I'm just like, I'm just thinking. Travis, just don't buy any other games. Just keep Game Pass, and if you ha- and if you see something on sale and you have the money for it, get it. But get the Game Pass first, because it's just like there's just so much stuff in there. It's cool. 
okay. Hey, w- would it be surprising if the PS5 was the fastest selling console in US history? I, I read this headline when it came out on like, I, I guess this was, this is, I think this was from like April 17th, but we were off last week. And I was like, oh, probably. I don't know. No, it's not particularly surprising. No one can fucking buy them. I think there are a lot more markets that are open right now. Like, I think China has been, like, having more access to consoles previously, and then there's just a lot more people gaming. So I don't think that surprises me as much. And that whenever these are on shelf, people are just probably picking them up or scalpers are picking them up. But I think, um... Yeah. I kind of grabbed this mostly because it looks like Sony also hit their... I didn't put the link in here, but I was reading an article where they had hit their, um, they're, they're not making these at a loss anymore, which usually happens later on, but I guess they're selling and stocking enough to where they've hit a point where, yeah, we're going to be making a profit off of these. So, hey, maybe I'll get a PS5 at some point. I wish those hard drives are bigger, but... You gotta keep them at 500 and 400, man. If you can find it, maybe you will. Yeah. You know, if the market, people just stop buying them up yeah. like crazy. Yeah. Let's see. What else is on here? Uh, oh, I closed that by accident. It was the bungee crossplay thing. I think I remember it off the top of my head is that um, the crossplay stuff is kind of going to start be rolling out next season. And the the way they're splitting the hoppers up is that. For PvE, everyone can play with everyone. You're doing the campaign, you're doing raids, whatever. Y'all are, can be in the same stuff. If you are doing cross-play and you're playing with a PC player in PvP, you are going to be in PvP server. You're going to be in PC servers because you're with someone with a mouse and keyboard and it recognizes that even though you're a console player. And then it has like the only console players and then only PC players who are hooked up to a controller. So they're splitting it up that way. And then they have like an ID system that is going to be below your um, gamer tag that will let you matchmake with other people. And then I think they are going to have like, I think it's a, yeah, it's your bungee name that you can send people. And I don't remember if they're ha- they have a like a code invite, like some games do, where it'll generate a code for like a lobby. No, they're not talking about that at all. But yeah, that's basically what they're talking about. I'm like, cool, keep doing this. That's where Bungie has been going with Destiny, and that's where it seems smart. They had cross-save. They're going to have cross-play, and I hope the next step is just cross-buy so I can pick it up on one thing and go grab it, but that's locked oh, up that's to c- consoles. That's not happening. No, but uh, these are coming. These are coming. have been coming day and date to Game Pass, too, which is like, oh, maybe I'll just play these on Xbox from now on. Well, I don't know how like far the Game Pass release is, right? Because the thing that's on Game Pass now is... Is it like the full game up to date on Game Pass? Because when it launched, it was like up to one of the expansions. I don't... I don't. Remember. Yeah, I think when, uh, you, everything, all the DLCs are on Game Pass right now. And I think Beyond Light launched... Beyond Light launched with Game Pass on Xbox. Yeah, and then okay. they're talking about... There's rumors that the other one will as well, and I'm sure it will. Because like... Microsoft has the money to be like, oh, we're going to pay you outright to let this come to our thing. And then they benefit from it too because 
if you have this already, you don't have to buy it. And then you're getting people who may or may not interact with like the microtransaction stuff, which is like, it just kind of works out for both parties, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, notably, they're not like for whatever reason they're having a a problem getting a plat like voice chat between platforms, but that'll get solved at some point, I guess. Yeah, it'll it'll be solved when um, Xbox and PlayStation Four let you install Discord and it just works. <laughs> ha ha ha! Turns out, <laughs> turns out Discord. Yeah, I yeah. think there have been talks about Sony getting Discord at some point, which could be cool. Um, other cool stuff uh, and multiplayer modes is Ghost of Tsushima is getting a standalone release for its Legends mode as well as like new content for it. Which I'm, for me, it's like, oh, cool. I played that more than the campaign. It's $20 for the standalone stuff, which is like, oh, it could have been free, but eh. You lost some people there. That's y'all's fault, but uh, I mean they're not gonna make it. It could free. It could have been like, free. That was never no. <laughs> Just the legends mode. If you want them, if you want them to add stuff to it, it's not gonna be free. Well, I mean, like yeah, for it being like a standalone, like if you have the game already, you can access it. But yeah, it's got like a a two v two rivals mode, which is gonna be like some kind of competitive, like your both teams are defeating waves of enemies at the same time, and you can use magatama to harm the other team and you can block purchases and other stuff so that sounds cool it's like a riff on their survival mode and i think they're going to be adding more um up in the gear level and then adding some more modes and rebalancing survival because remember we talked about it (laughs) when it first came out it's been a while but survival was like the harder modes would take like 40 minutes because at the difficulty tiers, they would just add on more waves instead of making it more difficult. Yeah. And more animals to pet, apparently, coming in the Tsushima <laughs> director's cut, which is... Um, I don't see when this is saying, but um, Legends is coming out... That thing, The updates are coming out August 20th, so soon, it seems like. So that could be cool. And September 3rd is... Nope, the standalone yeah, release is coming out September 3rd, but maybe the content's coming out August. Well, it's like the release is September 3rd, and like for each like each week, I mean, between September 10th and October 1st, they're going to be giving you new content. And here it is, the, uh, the director's cut is August 20th. It's the one that's coming out, as well as like an update. Yeah. So that's cool. Good stuff. Yeah. I like that mode. Um... I know that Stray Cat got a gameplay trail. Was it from the Annapurna, like? Yeah, it was the Annapurna interactive. Yeah, show. I didn't. I don't think I saw what was coming out of there too much, but I watched the trailer for Stray, and I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." I remember the trailer coming out Only before. And I was like, "Oh yeah," in my mind, I'm like, "This is like Uncharted, but I'm a cat or some shit." That's my really shitty explanation of what this game is like, but. Yeah. So. So Stray is a game where you play as a cat that's been separated from its um, from its owner as you sort of explore this cyberpunk dystopian uh, city that's filled with androids. You get a little android pal. It's the backpack the cat has. It's pretty great. Um, and it looks like you're going to be solving a number of puzzles as you explore this, uh, this area. I'm not sure what your actual uh, interactions with its denizens will be. There's a little picture here in this write-up. 
where the cat is sitting at a bar with like three three robots and it looks it looks great yeah um, you have you have like a um, you'll have like dialogue windows open up when you're talking to the robots because i think you have a you get a robot backpack that'll translate it at some point yeah it helps you translate yeah and it, it'll do some stuff in the environment and help you like solve puzzles it's like a it's like a drone that you meet that'll go into a backpack that you end up getting but uh it's cool it looks fun you're climbing up stuff it's atmospheric it's neat uh, was there anything out of the Annapurna thing that, like, you saw? Because I don't think I, like, oh, yeah. read anything like, about it. I mean, everything at that at that show was uh, really good, with the exception of, um, you know, there's a bit of um, continued thing with a game we'll talk about later. Um, you know, uh, the, the Outer Wilds DLC is you know, cryptically revealed will probably be pretty great, hopefully. Um, you know, there's the Neon White, I believe it's called Neon White, which is like it's uh, this uh, action platformer where you're using, like you're expending cards to do actions such as shoot uh, demons and such. That looks pretty interesting. It's from Ben Esposito, who's the person who made uh, Donut County. Um yeah, just a number of other stuff. Like they, they, there's a lot of like developers announcing that they are working on projects with Annapurna more than like anything else, really, uh, and like names that I'm interested in seeing more from more than anything. Yeah, now we can kind of get into the like what I would call the Activision Blizzard block of kind of things happening over the last two weeks. Kind of starting from the, uh, it was like July 20th was when the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing filed a suit against Activision Blizzard in, like, the Los Angeles Superior Court against instances of gender-based discrimination, inequality, and harassment throughout Activision Blizzard's network of companies. And the rally was... I believe it was a reaction to the, like, interactions from the emails that were coming out from, like, the heads of suits from Activision Blizzard, right? Yeah, like emails that we read, like the um, what we got from J. Allen Brack, who's uh, since stepped down as president of Blizzard, um, sort of talking about how he's you know actively fought, um, uh, sort of actively fought bro culture is what he called it, even though you know demonstrably not true, and also responses from people like Fran Townsend, uh, who called the uh, suit. I don't want to say, I don't want, I'm not going to air quote, but like kind of just called it preposterous. I don't have that email in front of me, but your sort of sentiment was that the suit is uh, distorting the workplace culture of Activision Blizzard. Yeah. And this, this article I have from the Washington Post was saying that about, there's about 350 people who kind of were at the rally that all had signs. And it was, it seemed like it was between 10 a.m. Pacific time to about 2 p.m and some stuff going on here you know it i'm glad this happened curious to see what else will keep happening as well i don't remember if they responded to the walkout but i know there have been other things that happened this this is what happened on the 28th august yeah well i'm go for it well i mean well with the walkout right we see like a couple of things um you know, in response to the walkout, Bobby Kotick 
uh, you know, CEO of Activision, talks about how, you know, their initial response was tone deaf and how they brought in a legal consulting firm to help uh, deal with this. Problem with that sort of statement and that action is that the employees were not involved in the selection of this firm and the firm they selected um, I don't have the name in front of me right now, but the firm they selected has been involved in anti-union, um, in like sort of courses and spreading of anti-union rhetoric throughout Amazon, right? As that company has faced a wave of workers attempting to unionize. The other thing that we see here is a number of Ubisoft employees pen an open letter um, in solidarity with the employees of Activision Blizzard who are walking out. What else happens is the Activision Blizzard employees, they form a coalition, and in an open letter to management, they list four specific demands. Um, I'm going to go over these real quick. Um, so let's see, including they want an adoption of policies that would improve diversity and representation. They want transparency around employee compensation based on gender and ethnicity. They want a third-party audit of the company's like HR reporting structure, which has failed several hundred people, according, like all, seemingly several hundred people, according to this lawsuit. And they want an end to inclusion, inclusion mandatory, blah, sorry, to the inclusion of mandatory arbitration clauses in current and future employee contracts. What that means is basically like mandatory uh, arbitration is meant to keep employees from taking an issue and making that into like a, any sort of lawsuit, right? So like they have to, if they have a problem, they have to solve it within the company as opposed to making a lawsuit to seek uh, reparations for uh, damages within like legal court. Yeah, and then it looks like the next thing that happened, unless I'm missing some stuff, is that August 3rd that Jalen Brack steps down from being the Blizzard Entertainment president. Yeah. And this is kind of... Let me see if I have some other stuff in this article. You know, Brack has been with the company for 15 years, and he had been the company's president since 2018. Uh, he serves as the leader for the World of Warcraft development team. Or this is Morheim, who co-founded Blizzard. Or this is him just... Yeah, he serves as the leader of that, and Morheim, I guess, describes him as an inspiring leader. Maybe we don't yeah. have to, like, talk about the merits of people who oversaw a culture that led to this, right? Sorry, I was just pulling quotes out of the article. Yeah. I guess that's how they describe him. But, yeah, this, you know, yeah. he stepped down. That's how people are going to describe him. Um, yeah. yeah, he steps down and is replaced by Jen O'Neill and Mike Yabara as, like, the, who, like, are now joint, uh, like, presidents of Blizzard. Yeah, and then it looks like August 6th, the Overwatch League sponsors reevaluate support following the lawsuit. Um, Coca-Cola's stepping back to revisit its plans, which are like all, like, you know, it's like, yeah, Activision Blizzard has this esports stuff with sponsors who pay for this, and this is, you know, in, you know, in companies' minds, this is bad PR, it loses money, in addition to just, you know, being a a terrible situation for anyone working at these companies. So these are like reactions to this and them limiting their like what, you know, quote unquote business, like limited marketing relationship. 
in addition to like yeah. other companies kind of listed i'm pulling off like a verge article it's like t-mobile and a couple other ones yeah yeah you know uh you know of course they have to put out these sort of statements saying that they are considering perhaps pulling back from this league uh you know it's not a good look I'll say if they were just like we'll we'll keep supporting Overwatch League. Yeah, so you have like like points of things like this happen, then you have all these tendrils that come off that start affecting different stuff. You know, obviously you have like a lot of streamers who have like there are like World of Warcraft streamers who have made this their business and ways of making money that I'm sure are like thinking about do i continue doing this do i come off of it like i i get when i was in the um the initial article like washington post also has an article talking about like on youtube and twitch the activision blizzard harassment lawsuit leaves creators reeling where they talk to a couple of streamers and they're kind of summarizing like talking about twitch streamers who play world of warcraft call of duty overwatch like a multiple number of other like activision blizzard stuff which are you know very popular on like Twitch and YouTube, in addition to like, you know, Hearthstone and stuff like that. So we're going to feel like the waves of repercussions of this and hopefully it having like an actual solution and changes yeah. to this company. Yeah, I mean, of course, like, you know, fundamentally, like I think any concrete changes that happen within Activision Blizzard, they're going to take probably at least a year. Right, like I think the employees understand this, like with the with the demands that they put forward, um, like it's it's we're gonna sort of be in this limbo of like we don't quite understand what's happening until like things actually start happening, and that's gonna take people like people need to plan, gonna take time. Uh, we don't know like what the employees are doing after the walkout. You know, we said uh, they formed a, co a coalition to put forward those demands. We don't know, like, if those demands aren't met, what happens afterwards? Perhaps unionization? We haven't really seen much uh, from that, and it's going to take time before we get, like, concrete answers as to how people within the company are going to move forward in the wake of all this. Yeah, and I think those seem like the couple of stories that have kind of come out so far of what has been happening since then. Was there any other ones that fell under, like, that I didn't kind of talk about yet, because I'm trying to remember if there was anything else going on. I mean, that's that's the gist of it, I, to my understanding. There was a report that came out from Axios uh, today where they spoke with developers about, um, you know, the sort of the fan boycotts, you know, the calls for, like, fans to boycott their games that are happening. And I only read, like, a couple of clips from it. There's a developer who's talking about how, you know, they need you to keep like playing and like interacting with your games so that way the company is making money so that way the employees are still paid um and like have jobs of course this being activision blizzard again a company that bragged about record profits and then fired 800 people so like it's you know it's it's still like complicated around like how we interact with um you know games in the wake of this and how pete and how like the people in blizzard want us to interact with their games in the wake of this it's uh but as far as like things that are happening within the company that's more or less i think i think we hit the gist of it yeah stories and so we'll, we'll probably continue covering this as it goes along as well and then the the other thing coming out 
This is from a you know different developer. This is the um, this is coming out of Fulbright, one of the studios behind yeah, Gone Home. And, uh, well, the studio, yeah. Yeah, and co-founder Steve Gaynor stepped down following complaints from employees. And I think you have a couple more like stuff about this than I do because I didn't really I didn't get to go yeah. over the article yet. Yeah, so this is a little bookmark for the pod. Um, like, you know, this this report comes out August fourth. Like, I think like thirty minutes before this report comes out. Um, Fulbright's Twitter account posts an update saying that Steve Gaynor um, has stepped down from like studio director to a writer and is working with the studio through Annapurna, Annapurna being the publisher of their next game, Open Roads, uh, which we saw briefly during their developer showcase um, a couple weeks back. So what happens here in this, what this report alleges is that a number of employees, like, I want to say a number of, a bit over a dozen, right? Because, like, Fulbright, at its max, was 18 developers. It is currently at four, including Gainer. Um, so about, you know, a, a give or take 12, a dozen developers uh, have quit that company because of emotional abuse from Steve Gainer. Uh, that he has sort of perpetrated in within the company for apparently years now, um, and it's just it's you know you see a lot as you like go through this. They're talking about like how he is like emotionally abused, like gaslit employees, uh, employees sort of talking about how they were attracted to work here because of the stories that their games are telling. You know, Gone Home is about a um, a, a young teenage uh, woman as she sort of has her awakening to the fact that she is that she is gay uh, and like the friction that creates with her family and then her decision to like run away with her um, with her partner. Uh, Tacoma is a game about a group of like astronauts in a hyper capitalist like future who are basically set up to take a fall for a really bad accident that would allow the company that owns the space station they're working in to push forward legislation uh, that will allow them to fully automate uh, space stations and get rid of human labor and save on costs. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people who work who had left the studio were very interested in working here because the stories they're telling are, you know, they include some sort of like angle that focuses on the like marginalization of of people. And that's at the time, especially with Gone Home, was like was not something that game studios were doing. And the reality yeah. is, is that it's run by a kind of a piece of shit. Um, yeah, like one I'll of the say, quotes from this Polygon story describes like a situation where multiple former employees who spoke with Polygon described the work environment as controlling, a place in which staffers felt undermined and demeaned by Gaynor because of Gaynor's status as the co-founder of a beloved indie darling. Some former employees said they were worried about being blacklisted from the industry and as well as like him being very controlling or just being very like micromanagey or just like coming off into like creating like, you know, a toxic workplace. Um you know, and and the comp and the sort of situation that unfolds in the wake of all this is very complicated because Gaynor is still technically working there. Um, he's now a writer, like who's working with the developer through Annapurna, 
Um, they can't necessarily, probably can't get rid of him because he's a co-founder, right? There's probably some legal situation happening there. Um, and like in the wake of this article, he puts out a really shitty like series of tweets, right? Where he talks about, uh, you know, this is the quote from Steve Ginner's statement. My leadership style was hurtful to people that worked at Fulbright. And for that, I truly apologize. Probably shouldn't call what you were doing a leadership, your leadership style. A, um, this is straight up just like emotional abuse. And it's just, it's, you know, like, and we talk about like these instances of like really toxic workplace in, within like AA studios and something that other people were talking about as we were getting these allegations from Blizzard is like people who were saying, um, like trying to hold the indie space up as something where this doesn't happen. The thing is like, this does happen in the indie space. There are just a lot less like avenues for people to approach. Like there's no HR department in a lot of indie studios. Yeah, and I remember like um, it's like indie game the movie had a lot of kind of you know hard workplace stuff like conversations coming up to me when like like the two developers of Super Meat Boy had like a very rough like yeah, way of making out. that game and falling out from each other where they were working extremely long hours to put out a game that they were getting at each other for stuff and that you can kind of see that fold out when you have more employees still working on like smaller constraints of something that is like the scope of this game is bigger than maybe they have managed for and then it turns into personalities and bosses who just you know should not be leading people or just do not have like the chops to like understand like how you should talk to people or how you should like yeah if you have people working for you in what ways you should actually like coach them or like how you talk to them about making something as opposed to like creating something that's like micromanaging and angry or somewhere along the lines of that. Yeah. It's just, I mean, this case, like this case specifically sucks. Um, He's like, this is someone who, you know, targeted like who's like abuse targeted like female employees and is currently writing a game about like a mother and her daughter you know like he's like currently writing a game that centers like women in the forefront of its narrative and i just it really like the ending quote here is that it just it turns my stomach to think that he still gets to write these games about women's stories when this is how he treats them in real life like it sucks yeah, and we, we talked about that when we were talking about, like, good representation and, like, positive representation of women juxtaposed against, like, oh, well, actually, this is just the easy way to do it and market it towards, like, but we don't actually do this in our own studio. Oh, yeah, it's, you know? it's, like, yeah, marketing. it's like it's selling diverse action figures, you know? Like, you know, th- there is... We like we want like representation on screen as opposed to like allowing for diverse um like diverse studios to exist is like that kind of economy. It's like one is certainly like one one is cool. Like representation on screen is is at least like if nothing else, like cool. Like people like that and there's a reason people like that. Like it helps that people like 
people like it for a reason, you know? Um, but like the things that like we do need to start focusing on is like creating spaces within studio culture that allows like diverse um, ecosystems of people to like succeed. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it sucks. Like I've I've seen Steve Gaynor giving interviews on like websites and like he's been on like Giant Bomb before and stuff and I was like, "Oh. Oh, this guy turns out not that cool of a dude." So that sucks. You know, I hope Annapurna will do something about it. Yeah, it's like like you're saying like what like some companies are just there to protect the company and not the individuals. So, you know, Nothing might come well, again, of this don't know. from the corporate level, but there will probably be fan like interactions to what this is going on, and the articles being posted about yeah. it are going to continue. Like the conversation about, hey, this is actually wrong that this is happening in the studio, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't we don't know. Like Annapurna doesn't own Fulbright. Like Annapurna partnered with the studio to make Open Roads. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. And what like. And the, the real, like, sort of messy legality is he's a co-founder of Fulbright. What, like, can that company do to, like, minimize, like, if not fully get rid of Gainer, to actually minimize his role? Yeah. And right now their answer is have him work through Annapurna. Yeah, and if not that, then it would be, like, you can you see this happening where... S- members of this studio will split off and make similar types of games or like the studio itself won't people like like um places like annapurna won't partner with them because of articles like this coming out but then other places will so like all this other stuff we'll have to see like what's going on as it keeps going forward but yeah it sucks i love gone home it's a cool game you haven't played it yet i mean maybe don't buy it maybe I don't know, watch someone play it on YouTube, I don't know. It's a tough situation, but yeah, I don't know, support the developers of it too. It's a, it's, it's a weird place to be stuck in between. Like, for worse stuff with Activision, I'm like, I'm probably not going to support them, but it's like, I don't know. I think I, mean, I think Gone Home is worth still picking up, because it's like such a weird, who, interesting game. I, I mean, maybe. The thing is, like, Gone Home was very special for a moment in time. Um, like, it's since then like we've done like we have better walking simulators we have better like queer stories in games you know it's i don't think it's necessarily worth going to go pick up gone home like there are like this article like uh, you know uh, amending the number of people i said at the studio there's six people here um there's six people left at the studio a lot of the people who have been emotionally abused by steve gainer have either quit that studio or quit games you know like i don't like I, I think I would say like the same thing here that I say with like Activision. It's just like I don't, I don't think you necessarily need to put money into this company right now until we see yeah. like an actual, like an actual uh, steps being taken, like really taken to separate this company from Steve Gaynor. Because I don't know if I want to support Steve Gaynor. Yeah, I agree with that. I it sucks because I have like this game like specifically has like a special place for me, and it's like storytelling environment and like just the things it was doing it you know it's it's a shitty situation for yeah. all these companies that are like putting out stuff that people get really attached to and then it's like oh yeah it's also fucked too but i mean that's a, that's like low with a lot of things and like products and getting attached to stuff is that they're just like 
unintentional or like like a lot of bad things that are attached to it that you don't know about till later or comes up when like purchasing choices and stuff you know yeah i mean and that's just that's where you get philosophies like there is no ethical consumption under capitalism that kind of thing um which like at its worst is used as this kind of like way to brush off like sort of um facing the fact that like what you're doing is like giving money to like shitty people um at its best is kind of used as a as a bit of like forgiveness to be like yeah i get you bought the thing it it sucks like i'm not particularly like i'm not angry at you for buying it my dude you know that kind of thing like i'm not angry that you went and like bought this thing because it's just it is it's stuff that's on the market it's there not everyone most people don't interact with games news in the way that we do so like most people are not going like most people who might end up just accidentally stumbling into Tacoma or gone home are not going to read this article. Like it's, yeah, definitely. It's whatever. Well, it's definitely a lot easier. I, I've thought about this a little. It's a lot easier to not like pick this up because there's shitty stuff attached to it. But it, it's a lot harder for me because like to save money, you know, I I'd shop like I shop at Walmart, but that's like a things of means but also you know you hear shitty things about walmart's employee practices they've gotten better but who actually knows it's still the capitalism thing things like like for example like one of my relatives worked at a 99 cent store and the reason they keep their like prices so low is because they pay their employees minimum wage 725 and they usually don't give them raises and they they work those people extremely really hard so yeah it's like capitalism consumption sucks (laughs) it's yeah yeah it's like money over everything and corporations over everything which is like i don't remember what i was listening to but they were talking about that like it might have been some joe rogan stuff where they were talking about like how capitalism can like a lot of these companies are just for money instead of for other stuff for employees for etc etc smash the proletariat baby yeah yeah the workers will seize the means which is like hey of production hey pro unionize let's go that's that's the thing oh unions aren't perfect but you know that it's a step towards something better at least so that's probably what i'll end the note i'll end on this week whip out your guillotines boys oh yeah just french revolution it I should I should say I'm not like specifically saying that we should go cut off the heads of people like Bobby Kotick or Steve Gaynor. That is, no. I, this is not a call for violence. This is a joke. Uh, I feel like I'm legally obligated to put this statement in here. All right, and uh, that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you got this far, and uh, you know, like we said, well, I, I'm curious to see what actually happens out of this, and I hope something better comes out of it. But hey, I don't have my hopes up too high because things aren't going too well in capitalism as it turns out yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna see what happens with fulbright like post open worlds we'll see what happens yeah like that yeah all right thanks for joining me austin all right absolutely until next week